Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. family comes to dedicate their daughters. Is it Siamu? Amen. Bring them in. Bring them in. 
Amen. In the book of Mark, the 10th chapter, the 13th verse, I found it written in this manner. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. It's exactly what you will do this morning for Tiamu. Amen. Okay. All right. This side. Okay. Ah, even the wizard. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, there's a scripture that we normally put up on the board that the children are an inheritance from the Lord. Here is a tiamo, a gift from you, dear God. Many times when we receive children, we don't know what the future holds. We've got no predictions over their lives. We can have wishes and desires. But dear God, the reason we bring them to the house of the Lord for them to be dedicated is to be able to connect them to their God-given purpose. Dear God, there is a purpose why you allowed this life upon the face of the earth. And there is a purpose why you are going to direct this life. As a minister of the gospel, I'm laying my hands upon this baby and keeping the devil and demons at bay and say, may the pillar of fire go over this child for the rest of her life until she reaches the age of accountability. No matter challenges that she may face, there is a prayer that has been set over her life. And there is no enough demons in hell to derail God-given purpose about this baby. Here the parents, may you give them a sense of wisdom. How to raise this child in the manner that when she cometh of age, she can say, I want to serve the living God. Our prophet has told us that the children are a product of an environment. That is why I pray for them, dear God, that may you inspire them, may you lead them, may you guide them, may you protect them, dear God, as I commit everything to you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you. Amen. She's already singing there. As we stand to our feet, let's just say, sing a worshiping song, any worshiping song. Let's just sing any worshiping song. I had you sing, I'm a winner in Christ. Amen.
but I'm not saying that, but you know, when you sing that you are a winner, you need to sing like you are a winner and act like you are a winner. The, the politicians were in hibernation for a number of times. They came out now, they are crisscrossing the country. The way they, those guys sing, they mean business. When Cyril arrives, they sing. When Malema arrives, they sing. You hear that they are connected with the spirit of politics. Amen. So if comrades are not struggling, believers cannot struggle. Uh, hallelujah. They sing without piano. Uh, and they sing impromptu. Amen. So let's, let's not lock down our worship. Uh, corona, corona comes and Corona will go. Amen. But a worshiper will remain eternally. Are we together, brethren? So meet after the service and polish it up so that the engine gets revved up. Amen. Are we together? Do you take feedback? Do you take feedback? All right. Amen. The scala in your offer. Amen. It is with love. Amen. Let's sing a song. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. That's how many products of amazing grace are in the building. How many products of amazing grace are in the building? How many can say, I'm a product of grace? Amen. I look at my life, I could have never, even in my wildest dream, planned things to be this way, and I say it is by grace. Amen. Let's sing it, brethren.
Amen. Where would we be had it not been of grace? Amen. God bless you richly as we turn to the book of Mark. The book of Mark, the 10th chapter, the 27th verse. Amen. Mark 10th chapter, verse 27. If you don't mind, let's read it. And Jesus, looking upon, upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Do you believe that? So that means if a man says it's impossible, it doesn't mean that it is impossible. It is a man saying that. But with God, all things are possible. And in one scripture it says, to them that you believe. Amen. Not to those that are lucky, but to them that you believe. In the book of Psalm 78, verse 41, Psalm 78, verse 41, it reads in this manner. Yeah, they turned back and tempted to God. And limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand. Nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. How he had wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan. I like it when it says in verse 4, they limit, it doesn't mean that God is limited, they limited God. Hallelujah. And how do you limit God? By diminishing your expectations of God. Hallelujah. God is unlimited. Make your expectations of him to be unlimited. I'm going to speak on the untapped resources. The untapped resources as we bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are reporting for duty this morning. We came to the house of the Lord. Our hearts are just bubbling with joy. We just sang a song, where would we be had it not been of grace? I believe that every heart in the building was in a reflective mood when they sang that song. Some in the building remember sicknesses that you healed them from. Some they remember the battles that you took them through. Some remember problems that seemed insurmountable, but you resolved them for them. There are many in the building that have got a reason to give you a praise this morning because they can document your acts in their life and be able to say it was God there 
somewhere in the valley. They had no way out of the valley. But today they are on the mountain top. And some may still be in the valley, but they need to know that the God of the mountain is still the God of the valley. And he will in due time take them out of the valley. Dear God, David says, I've been young and I've been old. I've never seen the Russians being forsaken by the Lord. This morning is no longer David, but some men and women in the building can say exactly the same thing. That Lord, there was never a time where I went to bed hungry, despite licking, but you provided because you are a provider. There are times when our children were sick, we did not have money, but you as a divine healer, you stepped in and the miraculous took place. That's why we are not ashamed this morning to holler at the top of our voices and say there is no God like our God. We can say again and again, you are holy, holy and holy and there is no one like you. We appreciate you that you have elected us not based on merits, dear God. This is unmerited grace. We are unworthy. We come from broken backgrounds. There are things that people can point at in our lives and say, look at that, look at that. As much as Biliam and Balak pointed at things at Israel and say, look at them. But your prophet said, despite their mistakes, they were still God's people. Even this morning, despite our mistakes, we are still God's people. And the devil must accept that, that we are God's people. And God will never disown his children. No matter what, thank you, God, for being our God. We commit everything to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you richly. There's a car that is singing outside, if it could be attended to. Amen. I said I want to speak on the untapped resources this morning. Untapped, it simply means that it is something that has not been, it is a resource that is available, but that has not been uh, utilized. Amen? Amen? It is a resource that is there that they will say it has not been exploited. It has not been made use of. Now, maybe I like to normally give an example in the natural just to give you a perspective before I get into the spiritual side of things. I think the brothers in the building that are from Congo would agree with me where it has been stated that in terms of the GDP, Congo is the poorest country. It's among the poorest countries in the world. Yes, after Congo, you've got Zimbabwe, Burundi, and others. But again, even the brothers from Zimbabwe would say that poverty needs to be contextualized. We are we are not poor because we are poor. We are poor because certain things have gone wrong. 
Now, when the example that I want to give is about Congo. Congo is the, is the richest, is the poorest, but yet the richest nation on earth. Did you hear? Poorest, but yet the richest. Now, when you look at in Congo, the untapped deposits of raw materials that are lying in the, lay, in the belly of Congo is estimated to be in excess of 24 trillion US dollars. 24 trillion US dollars. I don't know if you were to maybe convert that into rents, definitely your computer or your calculator will definitely freeze. <laughs> now, but when you look at Congo, the average, the average annual income for the DRC uh, citizens is around about 394 US dollars per year. You compare them to a small country like Qatar, where the average income per year is 105,000 US dollars. But you look at Qatar, it does not have the resources that Congo has. In the belly of Congo, you find almost every mineral. You speak about diamonds. You speak about coltan, cobalt, uh, gold, diamonds. All of them, they are there in the belly of Congo. But yet Congolese are struggling despite the resources that they have, and those resources have not been tapped. The reason they have not been tapped, I'm just giving you because there is somewhere where I'm going. Congo has never had peace since independence. There's always been war after war, conflict after conflict. And a lot of conflicts, all the conflicts around Congo are centered around the minerals. There are over 100 armed uh, groups, rebels in Congo. I'm told of one that is responsible for over 100 gold mines. Now, these people have got resources, but they cannot access them. And you know what is happening? The nations like Belgium are the ones that are fermenting conflicts in Congo so that a brother is against a brother based on tribal lines. Are you with me? Then we've got a man that is next to Congo. I'm not into geopolitics, but there's something that I want to demonstrate. <clears throat> Conflicts happen on the eastern side of Congo. Just their neighbor there is Rwanda. Rwanda just emerged from one of the worst cat catastrophes in recent times where over 800,000 uh, Tutsis were murdered during the genocide in 1994. Rwanda is the poorest on the continent. They are citizens, they live on less than two US dollars a day. What sustains Rwanda is what we call aid from Western countries. You've got a president that they call a benevolent dictator. I have never seen anything benevolent about dictatorship. Now, what happens is that Rwanda is going to start what they call a smartphone manufacturing company, but they don't have the mineral that will manufacture 
a cell phone. Where are they going to get cotton from? They're going to get it from Congo. So that means as long as there is no peace in Congo, there are certain players that are benefiting and they are taking minerals out of Congo and Rwanda being used as a conveyor belt in many instances. I'm painting a picture of how you can have abundance of resources and yet suffer with those resources being with you but yet not being untapped. Are you still with me here? And I'm going to come, and you, you can see already the, the conflict is, is what is making it difficult for Congo to benefit from their natural resources. It is their God-given natural resources. Actually, there shouldn't be any Congolese that should suffer based on the resources that they have, but they are struggling because of the conflict, the war that are being engineered by certain nations in order to benefit from Congo. Are you with me? Now, I looked at that and then I said, couldn't it be the case that even with the bride of Jesus Christ, we've got such abundance of resources, but those resources are untapped. And a lot of times they are untapped because there could be unnecessary conflicts, unnecessary disagreements, uh, pettiness within the body of Christ. That's why your prophet comes, he makes a very profound statement. He says, if the brethren can get together and be united, they can rewrite the book of Acts. I will. Then he comes, he says, as long as we're at loggerheads, the devil doesn't need to fight because a brother is fighting a brother, a sister is fighting a sister. Are you with me this morning? But this morning, I want to speak about the untapped resources. Now, in the message, faith wants it delivered to the saints. you don't mind, we are now in the full swing of summer. Amen. <clears throat> now in this message, the prophet says, when God called Christ, in paragraph 24, faith once delivered to the saints, when God called Christ from the grave, he ascended up and Jesus left wait to his church to go into all the world and preach the gospel. These signs shall follow them that believe. Signs was to follow the church. How far? Unto all the world. Some people want to limit that faith to a creed. Some want to limit it to a denomination. But I say this upon the authority of God's weight. There is no limit to the faith of God that he left for his church. Are you here, church? There is no limit to the faith that God left for his church. Because he said all things are possible to them that believe. And it says it's not limited. Do you, do you agree with that? 
Now, now, even, uh, you know, he says, until the end time, this science shall follow them. But, you know, the difference, and I think the likes of Brother Mpanyana that are running business, and Brother Tloti and Brother Dipadi, and they would understand something here. There is a, when you are, if you take a lecturer, maybe from UCT, who is a lecturer maybe in, in, in entrepreneurship, and you take somebody, maybe like Brother Cloti running his own business here, you find that the lecturer has got the knowledge, has got the literature. But if you put him in a shop and say, run it, there's going to be chaos. Are you still with me? But this one is not from the university, but he knows what, how to get the job done. Are you still with me? Now, in recent time, even within the message ranks, the devil has been pushing us to be like the academics of the message, to know quotation, scripture, and to be able to make them to tie with each other, but with absolutely no results. Are you with me? We know which scripture to quote when. We know how to place the doctrine. But when you check where are the results, the results are nowhere to be found. Why? We are full of knowledge. But when you come to the practicality side of things, we are losing. But what is happening, what makes us to be content in our misery is that we simply say, but we are message believers. Folks, yes, I don't want, the devil is not afraid of a title. You, you can be a message believer and call yourself a message believer and be the devil's punching back. Uh, are you still with me? Sisters, are you in the building? Now, uh, I, I reflected last Sunday when we spoke about Hannah, her prayer and her approach to worship. And, and, and here I'm not saying something to favor the sisters at the expense of the brothers. Uh, but God, 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 God has got a way. God is, is quite soft when it comes to the prayers of women. Uh, if you want to debate with me on that, we can debate. Uh, if, if, if a mother, if a father is left with five children that are still toddlers, and the mother dies, chances of those toddlers being stable later in life are very slim. I don't care whether it's a message believer. But when there is a mother, hallelujah, they may not go, all of them, there will be challenges here and there. But her prayers are so powerful that can bring those little ones in alignment to God's will. I'm, I'm talking about, I'm, and even the church. Women can make the church to be more spiritual, and they can turn the church to be worldly in a blink of a moment. You know what I'm talking about? 
you want me the, the message language on that, Brother Bremer say, if you want to know the level of the church, look at its women. Is that a direct quotation, folks? Amen. So, God, sister, God takes your prayers very seriously. Until such time he says to the husband, if you don't treat her well, your prayers shall be hindered. There are certain men, their prayers are not being answered because of how they treat their own wives. I had to go there. Are you still with me? In the message, only believe. Some reason I didn't put the paragraph here. Then he says, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in this message he says, now, if we are acquainted with the supernatural, if we, now if we who are acquainted with the supernatural would just take a man, where the man in his senses is limited to his senses, but a man and his spirit is unlimited. The man and his spirit is unlimited. The tree of knowledge can only climb so far and it breaks back. But the tree of life goes on forever. And how that science has taken man farther with his five senses than we have with his soul. Well, we've got untapped resources where all things are possible. Here is an indictment by the prophet to the church. He says, science, which is the tree of knowledge, has taken a man further. Hallelujah. By science. But he says, you look at you look at what the church has achieved with the man in terms of the soul. It says the church is lacking behind. Do you agree with him on that one? Let, let me put it this way. And I, uh, I will go back. When, when this outbreak, and we are still in the midst of what they call pandemic politicians, whenever it suits them, it's a pandemic. Now... We are still in the midst of this pandemic. And when people were dying in their numbers, everybody was screaming to the scientists, where is the vaccine? You remember? Where is the solution? And the scientists said, give us runabout. Maybe it can take a, a, two years to three years before we find a solution to this virus. And the scientists went into the laboratory. They worked day and night and made certain simulations and worked and worked and got the sample and tested the vaccine until they find out that, look, we are almost 40% at efficacy rate. We are at 60%. We are 70%. We are 80%. But they kept on working. But my question is that when natural scientists were in the laboratory, where were the spiritual scientists? Are you here? Maybe you think a spiritual scientist is some answer. I'm referring to you when you are chair. You are a spiritual scientist. 
And as much as the world was looking for a solution, you as well, you were supposed to be looking for a solution. Do you believe that science will find a cure to it? But I believe the church must find a cure to it. Are you still with me here? I hope we are together here. So, you look at, I look at the man like Bill Gates. I think it was in 1984. He makes a prediction. He says, I foresee that a computer will be available in every American home. This, he says, in 1984, when no one had a computer. But you look at today, everyone had a computer. Then after Bill Gates came, Steve Jobs, then he comes and says, we're going to take the computer and put it in the pocket of every American. That's what we call a smartphone. Now, now, why are the people in the world are so optimistic about the future and they tell you where they are and where they are going, but the church is afraid to tell you where they are and where they are going. But I'm glad that there was a spiritual scientist called William Brenham who was not ashamed to tell you of what was going to happen. He says there's coming a season where limbs will grow Hallelujah. Yes. Uh, he was talking about it, but we are looking at the people that can take that statement and actualize it. Yes. And say, it was spoken, but now it must become a reality. Yes. Folks, the times of really going into the doctrine, doctrine is good. The times of looking at the, just the message literature, the message literature is good. But there's a time of war. There's a time where you take your weapon and put it to use and they will check whether is it waking or not waking. You can never fight the devil with knowledge. You need to fight the devil by faith that will produce the works where you say to the devil Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. Not because a preacher says so, but because I know and I've experienced what I'm talking about. I've seen him what he has done today. Come on, church, are you here this morning? Uh, we are not telling, uh, I'm not here. I mean, I mean, if you're looking for just more knowledge and more knowledge and more knowledge and it is an, an, a knowledge that can never be used, I'm not looking for that. The devil is waiting for you right outside church. He's not going to give you a multiple choice to test you. Did you hear when they preach about this? No, he's going to ambush you. He's going to ambush your marriage. He's going to ambush your children. So you had much better when you leave the building and say, the table, I am now. It's not a matter of the size of the talk in the battle, but it's a matter of the size of the fight in the talk. We are looking for the people that can take the battle to the devil's doorstep. Are you here, church? You look at Henry Ford. He comes around 1932. He assembles a group of engineers and he tells them, I need us to produce a V8 engine. And after he told them, during that time, Cadillac had one, but it was exclusive. It could not be a subject of mass production. But Henry Ford told those engineers, he assembled them at somewhere at uh, 
a park that was owned by Thomas Edison. He said, no matter what, you're going to come up with V8. They said, Mr. Ford, it's impossible. He says, what do you need if you need more money? But V8, we're going to come with it. And they said, but they say, I'm not looking for bad. I'm looking for V8. You're going to get a V8. And with that determination, they got a V8. But I'm saying, I'm not here to motivate you, but I'm here to point a picture to you that if a man without God can be so perseverant, how much more about somebody that knows God? Why you, at the slightest appearance of opposition, you, you retreat and you accept that it cannot be done? I say, nothing is impossible with God. Now, in the message, influence, paragraph 7, he says, and God's power is limited to your faith in it. <laughs> Folks, God's power is limited to your faith in it. So the, the, that's the only limit it has, is your faith. So this morning, right in this building, nothing is impossible. And God's power is unlimited in the building. God's blessings are unlimited in the building. God's resources are unlimited in the building. But we are looking for somebody that can tap into those resources. And by faith, you are the one that can limit God. You have never asked anything from God and God say, oops, this is too difficult. Never. But you are the one that has asked and said, Lord, I need this. And later you go back to God and say, God, even if you don't give me that, if you give me this, it will still be better. Who is limiting God? You are limiting God. I hope we are together here. When you go to God, if you believe that somebody can do something for you, you don't give them options. You tell them, this is what I want. And tomorrow say, this is exactly what I want. And on the third day, this is exactly what I want until what you want gets delivered. But a lot of times, while Christians have asked for greater things, the devil is there cooking for alternatives. Are you still with me? God said, go to, promise, to the promised land. But the devil said, you are fine in Gadish Baniya. Are you still with me? An alternative is a case. Hallelujah. We know that Isaac was a blessing. But Ishmael, you look at the chaos in the Middle East today. Because somebody couldn't wait. Now, in the message, A Hidden Life, paragraph 19, he says, And now, when the brethren received the Holy Ghost, they said, this is the summit. This is all of it. But brethren, that's wrong. There is no summit to God's power. In Australia, they've got a mountain, they call it a mountain of disappointments. Yes. 
They simply say all the, the hikers, by the time they got you to the uh, top of them, that mountain, after they submitted to that mountain, the view was terrible. And they called it the mountain of disappointment. When we speak about summit, it means you climb and reach a summit, like maybe Kilimanjaro, the top of the mountain. But the prophet says, they, when they, the brethren received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they said, this is the summit. This is all of it. But brethren, that's wrong. There is no summit to God's power. We move on and on and on. Is the unlimited resources of God has never been tapped yet. Blessings and powers that we know nothing about is never even being revealed to archangels is laying just ahead for his church that will believe. For eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered to the hearts of men what God has for them in store that love him. The prophet said, there is no limit to God's power. We move on and on. That means if God, bless, if God blesses you today, he is capable to bless you tomorrow. If God blesses you this year, he is able to bless you next year. Never get to a point where you say, it's enough, Lord. You have done what you can do. You can never exhaust God's blessings. Are you still with me? Brother Brown said, we serve a bigger God. Let's ask for bigger things. And I say, not only bigger things, let's ask for impossible things. When William Brenham was presented with an opportunity to speak schools into existence, he looked for the sycamore tree. Where it was impossible to find a squirrel, he said, right where it is impossible, let there be a squirrel. And there was a squirrel. And today, I'm not looking for a squirrel myself. It was William Brown that was looking for a squirrel. What I am looking for today, maybe as a minister, is that in this dark, vile, evil age, God can have a holy church. Hallelujah. And we ministers will speak that church into existence. There shall be a bride that will be without a spot or wrinkle. Are you still with me here? And you can speak for your family and say the devil, this family shall be a holy family. And whatever you speak as a son or a daughter of God shall materialize. Are you still with me here, brethren? I hope we are together. Then he goes on in the same message, paragraph 19. Is it 19 or 20? It's 20. It's still 19. It was a long paragraph. All right. So he says, so let's, let's move up and claim our rights. You know, let me pause here for a while. They left Egypt. The Red Sea parted. They walked on a dry ground. And the water came and covered the entire Egyptian military. They had water from the rock. 
They moved, they had manna coming from heaven. And they came to a point, a place called Gadish Bania. Then they were just wandering around the wilderness with the memory of what God once did in their midst. Are you with me? Not with what God was doing in their midst. With the memory that, oh brother, you remember in Egypt. You remember the frogs in Egypt. You remember when we left Egypt, how the waters parted. Now, their children that were born in the wilderness could not relate to those miracles because they were not there. Until the devil could have convinced the young ones, are these people, it's just hallucination. They are making up stories. These are fairy tales. That means the children that were born in the wilderness did not experience the same power that their parents witnessed in Egypt. Come on here, church. Are you here? We are are right where Israel used to be. We come to church and say, Oh, Brother Brennan spoke scores into existence. We know because some of us, some of the people were there. But as time goes by, young ones are not interested in what God did in 1950. They are not interested in what God did in 1960. They are not interested in what God has done in 1970. They want to know what God is doing today. So they want you, mommy, not only to refer to the stories of Brother Brennan, but to refer to your own stories in your own family and say, my daughter, do you remember where this family comes from? My son, do you remember where this family comes from? Look where we are. It is by grace. Come on, are you here, church? That's what the devil uses to make the message to be of none effect. And if young ones, maybe they want to see God today, your mom and dad, despite underlying issues with age, they are still alive. What makes them to be alive? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then it says, let's move up and claim our rights. As God opens the gates and swings out the welcome mat, let's move up, move on up into deeper depths and never colonize ourselves. To organize ourselves and to get into a place where this is. We believe this And that's all. You see what what makes you to reach the summit? A church comes to a point and say, we believe this and that's all. I say, wait a minute. He say, let's believe this. Plus, how much more we can hear from God. I think that ought to be the motive of every man and woman that loves Jesus. To receive all that you can from the hand of his bountiful mercies, that's my heart. So the prophet says, we must never reach a point where we say, we have reached this point. This is where we settle. We say, brother, say there is still more land to be covered. 
There are still many blessings to be attained. There are still many victories, victories to be attained. So if you think what God has done you until this far is enough, I want to say that's not enough. There is more of what God wants to do. But God is looking for radical believers. You know, when we say you are radical, yes, you are comfortable with the process, you are patient with the process, but there comes a time where you go for radicalism. What do we mean by that? When, when Satan and I believe that we come to church for different reasons, I say we come to church for different reasons. And even me, when I come to church, my reasons are never the same. They differ from church to, uh, from service to service. There are times where God might have done something for you, and you are coming to church just to praise him. And there are times where you might have experienced some pressure points, and you are coming to church and say, God, I need your intervention. So we are not coming here for the same reasons. It depends how you have been involved in the battle. And that's why I like it. I think it is Charles Spurgeon. He says most Christians, they don't see the need to go to church because once they are outside church, they don't empty out themselves to the world, so they don't see a need to refill. But there are some people in the building, they have spoken to somebody about the Lord. They have spoken about, prayed for somebody, and they feel drained. And they say, I need to go to the house of the Lord for the refilling of the Holy Ghost. Are you still with me here, church? Hope we are together. Now, bringing the message, the deity of Jesus Christ. Paragraph 110. He says, now, friends, I know that to be the truth. I know people don't realize who you are. People don't realize who you are. Every person in here can live above sin and can live without sin. Uh, This I need a bigger amen here. Every person in here can live above sin. Folks, not some, all of us. And live without sin. Hallelujah. And live in God. Oh, this blesses me. You will make mistakes, but the blood of Christ will forgive you. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Is that right? That same power of Christ that was hung on Calvary's cross, the same God that raised him up on the day of resurrection is in you now. Oh, I don't think the church hears me. He says every man and every woman in the young people hear me. You can live above sin. And you can live without sin. I I don't care what your friends do. I don't care where your institutions of learning, what they do. Hear this minister. You can live above sin. 
And you can live without sin. And you can live in God. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead this morning is in you right now. And it says, that's what we call the Holy Ghost. Do you know what it means? It means the same God that defied death is in you this morning. The same God that healed the sick is in you this morning. The same God that multiplied bread and fish is in you this morning. The same mad God that healed the mimic of Gadara is in you this morning. The same power that created the universe is in you this morning. Hallelujah. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is in you this morning. Oh, folks, you want to tell me there is power in me? Yes, there is power in you, but that power is untapped because you are looking at yourself as a unit. You are looking at your limitations. But hear this minister. I read from the prophet messenger. He says a man in his senses is limited, but man in his spirit is unlimited. You are unlimited. I say you are limited. God is not limited. You are not limited. If God can say let there be, you can say let there be. Hallelujah. And William Branham demonstrated that. I wish the church can come to a certain level. You must realize who you are. We are not an ordinary church. Hallelujah. We are not an ordinary church. We are the wife of Jesus Christ. Merit in community of property. His power is our power. His grace is our grace. His blessing is our blessing. Whatever he is, that's exactly who we are. Hallelujah. You are not limited, my brother. The God of the universe is in you right now. Don't limit him. They limited him. Don't limit him. Oh, brother. I like it in one message where the prophet say, the whole church now is under the domination of the Holy Ghost. And I say, Lord, help us this morning to be under the domination of the Holy Ghost. What does it mean? Live your own thinking. Live your own consciousness. Live your own limitations. Live your own memory and embrace the almighty God and say, I am unlimited. Oh, you don't hear me. You are still scared of the table. I say the devil is nothing. I say you've got the power to make the devil bow down and say there is no God like our God. I say you've got the power, you, to make the devil to bow down and say there is no God like your God. Come on, church, are you here? I say you, young girl, you, young boy, you, a man, you, You've got the power to bring the devil under subjection where he bows down. There is no God like your God. There is enough power in the building right now that can make a person walk out of a wheelchair. Oh, folks, hear me and hear me very well. The problem is that you are concentrating on what you know, yes, what you have failed on. Yes. I said disregard that. Yes. 
God knows you are a failure, but he's not interested in your failures. God knows your ups and downs, but he says you are mine. And I say right now, the very devil that is whispering in your ear, you can tell him and say the devil. The devil. You have done this for far too long. But now under the authority of the word of God, I am bringing you under the subjection. I am binding you in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm looking for the people that can bind Satan. You know, as I'm preaching, I hear, I feel the wall of consciousness. I'm worried about what my neighbor will do. Don't worry about your neighbor. I say you are limited. I say there is power within you to bring the devil under subjection. You know why we say amen? Not to a preacher, but to connect with what is being said. And say, that's me. That's my property. That's my blessing. I embrace it. Church, we have turned to the corner. If you have not realized, we have turned to the corner. We are doing church as unusual now. Not before COVID-19, but now we are doing church as unusual. We are not taking certain things from the devil. Hallelujah. If he gives this, we give it back. Hallelujah. And say the devil, we are no longer your punching bags. Our children are no longer your punching bags. Our marriages are no longer your punching bags. We have declared a no-go zone. A no-fly zone over demons. How many are joining me on this journey? And say, I'm declaring a, fly, a no-fly zone. Over my everything that involves me, it's a no-fly zone. Demons cannot fly over it. No one can fly over it. It's a God-dedicated property. Are you here, church? Then he comes in the message redemption, incompleteness, in joy. Paragraph 134. He says, Look, he's referring to in the upper room. They were full of new wine. That's right. The wine that come from God out of heaven. Did you ever see did you ever see a drunk man? He is just in love with everybody. You see. <laughs> he doesn't care. That's the way a man is when he gets drunk on the spirit. The Bible says, be not drunk on the strong drink with excess, but to be drunk on the Spirit. The Spirit of God makes you so drunk, you forget all your enemies. And everything and everybody is in love with you. He doesn't care about who's standing around you. You're the biggest man in the country right there. I don't care if your neighbor sitting next to you went to some dignified church. Let the Holy Ghost get on you one time and see what takes place. Oh, we need a drunk church in the end time. The church has been sober for, for a long time. Folks, when you are drunk, a drunk man is not afraid of everyone. He walks everywhere and he thinks that I'm in charge. 
And he thinks everybody favors him. He thinks everybody loves him. He thinks he's a center of attraction. That's what a drunk man does. But a sober man is timid of the crowd. But let the church be drunk on the spirit. Oh, we need some drunk people here. We have been gentlemen far too long. But we need to be drunk in the spirit. Oh, it reminds me of the mice. Of the mouse that was running away from the cat. And as it was running and running, it fell into a container that had an alcohol. And the, and the rat started drinking that alcohol and got drunk. Hallelujah. It was sober when it was running. But when it fell into the container and took a sip and took a sip, it got drunk. And the mouse came out and started looking for a cat. And said, where is that cat? I'm looking at the believers that are running from the devil, that are running from the demons, but they fell into the container of the Holy Ghost. Now they are drunk with the Spirit. They are moving out of church and say, where is that demon? Where is that devil? I want to deal with that demon. Hallelujah. Oh, we've been sober. I, I, I listened. You know, I'm a student of patterns, even in the natural. I've observed. And I was talking to a brother. Brother Chichi would know. I observed something in Brother Tim Pruth's church. And I say, wait a minute. I observed it in Brother Ed Biscal's church in Rizenta. I saw it in Brother Doni. I saw it in Brother Ron Spencer's church. And I see, and I was telling my wife, I say, there must be something that is happening in America that we are not aware of. Because whenever you see God raising a standard, that means there is an opposition coming somewhere. Then I observed, I said, here, me, I'm very honest. If I'm not an admirer of America. If they mess up, I'll tell you they mess up. But I now I observed here on the continent, ministers, when they come behind the pulpit, they are no longer led by the Spirit. They want to sound right. They are not preaching for the edification of the church. They are preaching so that when the critics check their message, they say, the brother preached right. Ah, oh, brother, I'm not preaching for critics. I'm done with critics. I, I'm, I've, I've been preaching this message for 26 years. I've got no time for critics. I've got no time for somebody marking me in a red pen. No, sir. This is a time for the edification of the church where we need to get to the church drunk in the spirit. I will tell you, Brahm says, don't limit, lead, limit him to what God. Don't limit God. Brother Brenham sees a vision. I'll read here, folks. He sees a vision. And in the vision, I think it was Brother Agen Bright. He says to Brother Brenham, 
We have found a way to bring you into the meeting and found a way to allow you to go. Then Brother Brenham, he, he saw a vision. He was in the house and he said he could hear the voice of Sister Mida going faint as he get, getting more and more involved in the vision. Then he says he see, that's where he saw Brother Agan Bright. Then he saw a big number of people in that service. That's when they say, we'll find a way to get you on the platform and find a way to get you out if you want to get out. But it says when he was looking in that vision, he sees a man on the platform, a minister. And as Brother Brenham is watching that minister, then he asks Brother Agen Bright in the vision, who's that? He says, no, it's somebody that we got in your place. Then it says, while they are looking in the, in the vision, this man dismisses the audience and says, you are dismissed. And they begin to leave in numbers. And Brother Brennan says, in the vision, he screams. He says, Brother Agenbrecht, they have not called the altar call. And he says, somebody responded and said, we have already collected the offerings. Brother Brennan cries out in the vision. He says, since when offerings are more important than the altar call? Are you here church this morning? And uh, Brother Brennan in that, he said, there should never be a gathering where people gather and there is never a call out. If you want to receive Jesus Christ, come and receive him. That's the prophet, folks. Are you still with me here? But I've seen intellectuals rising and say, oh, altar call is, is a doctrine of the Methodist. I back to differ. Here's the prophet say, it needs to be done. You know why? Our young people come into church. They are under the burden of pornography. And we deliver lectures to them. And they are intellectualized. And they return back to that pornography. Without a call to say, young man, you can break free from that pornography. Why? Because we have now become a lecture room instead of a Holy Ghost meeting. But I said this morning, I reject that spirit. I say I reject that spirit. Are you here, young people? There is a heaven to go to. There is a hell to go to. And this morning, this pulpit is here to give you access to heaven. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Does it sink in, folks? Then you'll see. Your young people will come. Oh, I know the seven seal is revealed. This is how it is. But when he leaves, he's got a girlfriend. He's got the knowledge. He's, because he was in the lecture room. He's not delivered from that spirit. But this time, let house. I invite you to a higher level. Let the Holy Ghost operate in the church. 
as I let the Holy Ghost operate in the church, you'll see the sick will get healed. You'll see marriages are going to be restored. You'll see a deliverance taking place. Are you still here? I want you to dismantle the enemy. Because there is resources that must be tapped. There are testimonies that are in the pews that are waiting to be tapped. But the problem, the pulpit has been denying you. Because it wants to be politically correct. It wants to measure up. I don't have anybody to measure up to. There is Jesus Christ that we need to measure up to. The message, Israel and the church, paragraph 39. This you will understand where we need to get the church to. I've got a diagram immediately after this quotation. He says, let me ask this. Let me give an illustration here. Here is one sphere. There is another sphere. And here is another one you will understand when we get to the diagram. Now down here is a nominal church. Now up here, here is a sublime. Here's where we are supposed to be, right next, to, next door to heaven, where the powers of God is leaking down. All right, it, it drops on this, drops down through to this one, then down through to this one. This is the nominal church. It just goes on, just an old cold professions. And a little ritualistic affair. That is the nominal church. They just get the very slight drippings. The next church up here, full gospel, gets some of the blessings, but they go off into isms. Yes, We've got to lift up into the next sphere here before we can ever have a rapture. Yeah. Exactly right. You've got to get up in, the, up in that before we can ever have it. That's true. Bring it, brother. So the prophet says, you have three spheres. He says, at the bottom, this is what I will call, for a lack of a better word, a funnel of blessings or a funnel of God's power. Heaven is here. Then you've got the three spheres, as he is explaining. Hallelujah. There is a nominal church what are they doing? It's just called professions. A little ritualistic affair. They just, I was in church, I'm done, go home, come back to church. Uh, the, with, with, with no effect of the Holy Ghost upon their lives. Yes. It's a nominal church. Then you've got the full gospel. They get the drippings of God's power. But after a while, if God does something in their midst, they go into an ism. You know what I'm talking about? But brother and say we need to get a church here. Because this is a zone where the rapture is going to take place. 
This is at the door, by the doorstep of heaven. God's power drops right here. These others, they get a little bit of drippings of it. But these ones are close to, God, to the reservoir of power. And I say, church, we cannot be here. We cannot be there. We've got to be there. But for us to get there, you know, somebody says, if you are on a spiritual walk that has never called you to sacrifice anything, it is not a walk that is worth walking on. Oh, you've heard me here. Now, we live during a time where, folks, we want you, all of you to get to heaven. There is a pool, even within message ranks, to bring the church here. To make a church, to make a church a bit social. To make a church accommodative. To make a church easygoing and not rattle the nest. Yes, we can be here. We will be popular. We will be loved. But God's power will never come. You will come sick and go back sick. Your children will be on drugs. We'll never get delivered on drugs. Your marital problems are going to abound. Your health issues are going to be there. But we need ministers that can take the church from here and not move it here because here it's half done. You know when you get to a restaurant you say, rare, medium, well done. This is well done. Are you still with me? But the devil wants you to be medium. Are you still with me here? But the elders, that's why we thank God for the elders in this church. To be an elder in the church is not to be an old person. It will be somebody that is scripturally competent. Somebody that can identify the spiritual trends and patterns. And warn the church and say, let's not take this way, let's take that way. There is a, a higher calling. To be an elder than for an ordinary member. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, are you you with me? The problem today, uh, you know, ministers preach sermons to trend on social media. Just to be nice and it trends. (laughs) It can trend, but it will never defeat Satan. For the church to be here, the church must be clean. I say for the church to be here, you know the words, oh, in French, brother, uh, uh, brother Grace, we say sublime. Sublime, meaning it is without fault. It's without spot. So brother, we say we must be a sublime church. Now, for you to get to the church here, remember, I said on Wednesday in our virtual service, the truth will never make you popular, but it will make you honest. So for us to get here, we've got to be honest, not popular. Are you still with me here? I was telling the, the elders, there is a young man here that wanted to bring his girlfriend here. And we stopped him. I wanted the deacons to speak to him. Then he ran away. 
And when you see him, he's from this girl to that girl to that girl to that girl. And later he said, Pastor, I've repented. Now I want to come and worship. Then we spoke and spoke. I said, no. While he's on the way of coming, they say, Pastor, the problem now, I've got another one that I impregnated. Can you officiate our marriage? I said, no, not in a million chance. And I, we put him at home. So last week he sends me a message breaking and say, since you can't help me, I'm going to find another church. Then I phone his pastor in Zimbabwe. I say, the young man says he's going to find another church. Then uh, another, he spoke to another brother and say, I found a new church. They say I can bring her to church for three months and they see what is going on. And if we like it, then they can officiate our marriage. I say, as long as I'm a pastor, it will never happen here. Look what the devil does. This young man thought I would be jittering and say, I'm losing members. As soon as the, his message entered, there is a brother from Zambia. As soon as I read the young man's message, I jumped onto another one. Listen to the message of the brother from Zambia. Brother Mariba, God bless you. You don't know me. But I've listened to you preaching on marriage and divorce. I want to tell you that is the truth. And say many pastors are compromising when it comes to that. But God bless you. I took the message and sent it to a young man. I said, here is a stance being confirmed by God. Young people will never lower down our standards. I said we will never lower down our standards. Folks, if the collection plate gets empty and the church coffers gets empty and the tithes are not coming, so be it. But we will never sacrifice the truth. Ah, this one you must hear me and hear me very well. When it comes to when it comes to marriage and divorce, it's non-negotiable. If you divorce and you bring a new one here, don't come here. Uh, let me repeat, somebody has not heard me. If you leave your wife and get another one and you want to bring them here, Muni come here. You're gonna you're gonna pollute our church. You are sitting there, they knew all these years, sister, so and so was your wife. Now there is a new one. I can't preach on marriage and divorce. Young men are there when they've got marital trouble. They say, but brother, so and so was able to leave his wife. Now he's got a new one. Ha, oh, brother, no million will ever make me change that stance. Ah, I'm saying this on record. No million will ever make me change that standpoint. And the day I change, you must know I've been But today, people think we're going to compete for members. Ah, Tina, we are looking for quality. Quality. Not quantity. Quality. People that come and say, I want to worship God. If they made a mistake, they say, I repent. They don't say, I will leave. No, they repent. No, sir. Do you see how these things are the ones that are making us not to tap into our resources? And I have learned. I was advising a young minister. Pastor, I say, 
you must remember, anything that you resolve in your life, resolve it according to the weight. Not according to favor. According to the weight. It will make you sleep at night. Because when it is favor, I will do favor for my fagas, but I will fail to do it for Mambel. Remember, we'll say, but uh, former fuckers, they were able to officiate his new wife. I, there's nothing that irritates me like a new wife. <laughs> it makes my stomach turn. <laughs> new wife. <laughs> but when you love the wife of your youth, Ah, brother, Uh, even if you buy her an aeroplane, we will not say, we will not complain. We will salute you. Uh, But if you buy a a slave queen, uh, no, you won't bring a slave queen here. No, never. I don't care whether you saw a vision. I don't care whether you dreamt. I don't care. You know why? We've got men and women that we worship with here. They've been loyal with God. They've served God with distinction. So we owe it to them to preserve their testimony. We will never, we will never sacrifice it for tithes. Never. Oh, that one I would rather go and work in the mine and push a wheelbarrow. Never. After such men have lived this message for far long. I'm going to sacrifice it for a boy whose hormones are raging. Never. We are not led by the hormones. We are led by the Holy Ghost. When you do that, God has shown you, church, no one died here. It's a preliminary. It's a foretaste of what he can do in this church. If you think it's bigger, it's not bigger. It's ele- elementary. But we gotta, you gotta, we got to get church, the church here. Amen. And how do we get... We hold each other accountable. Amen. We talk to each other with love and correct each other. Amen. If an elderly sister sees that maybe a young sister is not dressed right, it doesn't need deacons, it needs you. Can I have coffee with you? I see your dressing is dropping. What's happening? Can I pray with you? Advice, follow up. Then you'll see a change. Can I be your friend? Can I, can I partner with you in this battle? Can I be your prayer partner? Then you'll see. Then the dressing becomes impeccable in church then the Holy Ghost becomes happy. You know what a happy husband does? You know what? That's what they say when you are really happy and you don't have money, don't promise you'll get into trouble. <laughs> a, a happy husband just goes with the wife, with the wife not knowing anything, just buys a gift. Say, I was just warm moving around. I saw this beautiful thing for you, honey. Here it is. Why? It's because the wife has done something. 
to melt this man's heart. And he couldn't resist it. He's got, he's got to do something. Until he said, this is, this is nothing. It was not prepared. There is something I'm preparing. That's how Jesus will be when he comes to this church. And find every member in their position. Pray it up. Then we are moving into this. Then we can come before the altar and claim things and things will happen. Look, 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 this is a beautiful testimony that Brother Chetty was giving me when he was in Le Palal. He says he sees a group of young boys. And he speaks to one of them and say, and the young men say, I'm looking for a job. Then Brother Chetty says, look, our agent that placed us is looking only for supervisors. But he says, I've been looking for a job for a long time. He's discouraged this boy. Then Brother Chetty says, but he, you know, I'm a believer. He begins to testify to him about the Lord, and they speak about the Lord. And as they are speaking about the Lord, Brother Chetty feels led and inspired to say to the young man, if the gospel that I'm presenting to you is the truth, it has to give you a job. Do you hear, do you hear a bold statement? Now, guess what? Before Brother Chetty could come here, the young man has been called. The young man found the job. Why? Because there is somebody that is here. Are, are you still with me here, church? Because, Brother Mo says, a son of God and a daughter of God are like, are like, they speak, and their weight, material. There was no job. Brother Chetty spoke that job into existence. And the young man is truthful. As I'm speaking right now, he's in church, in a message church. He took the details, then we linked them up, then he's in a message. Do you think that young man is going to tell him that God is not alive? He will tell you, I was looking for a job. I had no way out. I met a certain Indian man. He told me there is a God that can give you a job. Here I am. A personal experience with God. It's not for Brother Teti only. It can go for all of you. But we need to get the church where? Here. And sometimes, you know, I find it easier to know who I'm pastoring during the time of disagreements than during the time of agreements. If I preach what you like from Jan until February and you love me, I've not yet experienced that I'm really your pastor. No, no, I'm just massaging your ego using the gospel. But the day I come and bring a message that really hit heart where you are and causes you to move and you walk out of this church doors upset with the pastor, but you go home and pray and God say, it was not him, it was God. Amen. Then I know that we've got a pastorship relationship. Amen. Are, you, are you with me? Amen. I hope you're, Why am I saying that? It's because for me to get to the church is my responsibility as a pastor to lead the church to be here. Yeah. 
So there are times where I will disagree with certain things and say, this is not allowed. It's not because I hate you. It's because I know when this is in your life, it's going to prevent you from tapping into your untapped resources. I hope we are together. In the message, hear ye him, paragraph 43. Ah, this one we're going to read it together. I think that's just about where our churches are getting. We are children of God. But we are losing our inheritance by our conduct. Bring the previous slide, my brother. The previous one, don't disappear. There it is. We can't get here because of our conduct. Now, I understand what science is trying to do with lockdowns to manage the spread of the virus. And that's why they closed the churches. They prevented us from meeting because they want to stop the spread of the virus. But that has caused what we call unintended consequences. You know, people worship as though we are not sure we are worshiping, but we are not sure whether we will close or not close. It's more like a, like a car that is in a half-clash mode. Now, that has created what we call lethargy, lack of enthusiasm. Now, I'm very upset with politicians now, absolutely upset. All of a sudden, they will talk including our president, about super spreaders. Do you remember? When was the last time you heard a politician speaking about a super spreader? They are now bragging about the number of people that are attending their rallies. They are taking video clips and pictures and say, I had a bigger crowd than you had. They've, they've crisscrossed the country. None of them is saying anything. You know what's happening is because we are in the electioneering season. Immediately after the 1st of November after we voted, two weeks after, when the churches are supposed to prepare for conventions, oh, you'll hear those rascals. Are you still with me? Now, the... the the lockdowns have allowed the politician to taste unhealthy power. Amen. And they've become addicted. They are of the view that they can switch on and switch off. Amen. Are you still with me? Yes. And now, you can't, we, can't, we can't plan anything. Are we going to plan a convention? What are we going to do? We're not sure whether they're going to switch off or what. Are we together? Amen. But brethren... I'm not encouraging you to break the law. 
I was looking at one politician yesterday. He was moving among the crowd with no mask. Talking to people with no mask. Then I said, okay, I'm not saying mask is not important. Hear me, I'm going to walk a very tight rope. But you come to church, you're wearing a mask. You say, I can't sing in church because I'm wearing a mask. But they are leading songs in the rallies. And people are singing at the top of their voices. Some in the mask, some out of the mask. But here, we are only depending on the poor worshiping team and say, you're the one that will worship on our behalf. So, we appreciate the restrictions, but let us not restrict the Holy Ghost. We appreciate the regulations, but let us not regulate the Holy Ghost. As you come, some of you, maybe you're worried to say, but I'm sitting close to somebody in church. The plane is full. I say the plane is full to capacity. But there are people even now, they say, you know, I can't go to church. It's very risky. But as somebody will say, they are in the malls. I can miss the virus is dangerous at church. But at the mall, oh, it behaves. Until such time when you sit down, it knows you are sitting down. You can take off your mind and start talking. Because it operates at a certain height according to, to them. Are you with me? I'm saying, yes, measures are genuine. But there is a devil hidden in measures. Come on, church, are you here? It's because the devil wants to restrict us not to move to a certain level. But here we say we reject the devil and we reject his cunning ways. Amen. They say the fourth wave is coming. They already kick-started in Britain. Amen. Oh, we're still ready. Sorry about that. We are, we are, we are children of God. Are they children of God here this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. We are children of God. But we are losing our inheritance by our conduct. The things that we do and the things that we permit it to be done and the way that we live and act and so forth. We are living millions of miles below our privilege. Then someone can say the work of God being done. And Dr. So-and-so. And Dr. Jones says, is this? And the other doctor says, is this? We believe it instead of looking into God, into the weight. The weight verifies what? What's sheep food? It comes out of the weight. Daniel 11 verse 32, bring it up. We continue reading it. 
And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall be shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God. Are you here, church? But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. What is to do an exploit? Is to take a resource and use it to its full potential. The people that know their God shall be strong and will take their God-given resources and will use them to the full potential. And what is the best resource that God has ever given to us? Brother Bruno said there is nothing as powerful as prayer. And it comes, he said, the spoken word is the original seed. What does it mean? The spoken word has a creative force. And who are in the possession of the spoken word? The spoken word is not just the books. The spoken word is the power of God invested into the heart of the believer. Oh, brother. And when you've got that, your tongue can make things materialize. Hallelujah. I say your tongue can make things to materialize. And your tongue can change your circumstances. Your tongue can change the health of your body. Your tongue can change the condition of your family. But you know what is happening? Brother Brennan says the greatest tragedy is that When you look at India, they've got abundance of resources, but not the mentality to develop what they have. Are you still with me, folks? Imagine I'm coming to a close. Imagine here is a beggar. He's a bum in the street. He's there in the street. He's got no way. He sleeps in the streets. He's dead. He's stinking. He has been there a number of years. Poor, rejected, and outcast out in the streets. But one day, it is said that as they are going through the records, a bank manager discovers that there is a man that had this fortune who passed on, but the fortune was never claimed. And they put it out into the newspaper. We are looking for the next of king of such and such person. It goes around. And it reaches the man in the street as he's busy looking at the newspaper. Let me, if he sees that in the newspaper, that they are looking for somebody, and that name sounds like his name. But if he looks at it, and it remains in the streets, it's of no use. If he sees it and reads about it and frames it and does nothing about it, it's of no use. But what must he do? He must take the newspaper. He must go where the call has been made from. 
and say, I'm here to present myself. I know you're looking for such and such person. That person has got my say name. The story goes on that as they took it, then they did the DNA test, they realized, although he was a bum, but he was not a bum. Although he was a hobo, but he was not a hobo. He had unlimited fortune. But for him to receive that fortune, he's got to act. And I'm looking at the church of the living God to this morning. I say you are not orphans. I'm looking at the church of the living God. I say you are not the outcast. I'm looking at the church of the living God. I say you are not a widow. Your husband is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got the fortune. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, I shall do it. A personal commitment. I shall do it. And the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. You ask not because you believe not. But I say, devil, you are a liar. We are breaking a chain of unbelief. This morning, if you don't believe, I will believe it on your behalf. You are in a much better position and you are moving in the right direction and there is more in store where you are going. Oh, church, people think we need to look down and look sad. We are not going to be sad. The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered to the heart of men of what God has got in store to them that love him. For this morning, allow me to change that scripture. I have seen, ear has heard, but now it needs to enter the hearts of men of what God has got in store for them. If you hear about it and you see it and it's not in you, you don't possess it. But I say we have professed, let's be possessors. How do we become possessors? We need to bring Speak positive confession. Folks, we are living in a negative world with negativity. But this morning I say, let us leave this negativity. Let us leave these limitations. Let us leave things that we say we can't do our failures. And let us come to the level and say, if he promised it, he's going to make it. I say, if he promised it, he's going to make it. And if there is a request and a desire in the building, there is a scripture that can be used in relation to that desire. And say, whatever you desire and you wish for and you speak it, you will have it. Oh, church, the devil wants me to finish. I'm not going to finish until it enters your heart. If you've got a desire... I don't care how impossible it seems. I don't care how difficult it seems. I don't care how long you have had it. I don't care what critics said about it. But the word of God say when you have the desire and you ask from your heart, I the Lord will do it. Oh, come on church, are you here? Are you here church? What am I saying without saying it? You are not going back the way you came. I say you are not going back the way you came. Hallelujah. There's been a spiritual migration. 
You have moved to a certain level. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid tomorrow when you fight new devils. Because now you are at a new level. Oh, church, are you here this morning? I said, don't be surprised when you meet new challenges. Because now you are at a new level. Are you here, church? If there are bottlenecks, you have waited for this thing. You have prayed for this thing. I say, now is the time. I say, now is the season to tap into God's resources and say, God, you're not a liar. You speak and you do it. And he will do it right now. Oh, church, I don't know. Even if you're looking for a job and there's no job in the economy, here is a minister behind the pulpit who's tapping into God's creative power and say, God, may you God grant whoever needs a job in the building a job. I'm looking forward to a testimony. I say I'm looking forward to a testimony. If you've got a burden in your heart about your child, I say right now, wherever they are, but through God's navigation system, the Holy Ghost, may the Holy Ghost go their way. May the Holy Ghost find them. May the Holy Ghost convict them. Hallelujah. If your marriage is under pressure and the devil wants to destroy it, I'm raising a banner. I said the devil doesn't know go area. I said the devil does not go area. Oh, you gotta help me preach here this morning. You gotta help me preach this morning. I say it's a no-go area. If the devil wants to destroy your business, we are raising the pillar of fire over your building. We are raising the pillar of fire over your family. We are raising the pillar of fire over your children. We are raising the pillar of fire over this church. Hallelujah. We are raising the pillar of fire over everyone. Hallelujah. I said, Satan, you are defeated. This is my last message. This is my last statement. Satan, you are defeated. If, if you have not heard anything, if you have had not heard anything, hear only this one. Satan, you are defeated. I'm going to repeat it. Satan, you are defeated. Can the church join me and say after me, Satan, you are defeated. Can we say it one more time? Satan, you are defeated. I want you to say it like you mean it. Satan, you are defeated. Oh, one more time. Satan, you are defeated. Satan, you are defeated. Satan, you are defeated. Hallelujah. 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 He's defeated. Goliath is down. Goliath is down. Hallelujah. Goliath is down. We can rejoice. We can rejoice. Satan is down. Demons are down. Principalities are down. Here are the victors. By grace, here are the victors. Here are the victors. By grace. 
God bless you, Rich.
Shipping song, Brother Wad will come to the fore to wrap up the service and prayer. Hallelujah. The power, the power, victory over
stand before you this afternoon, O God, witnessing, witnesses of that power, O Lord. Father God, when you can move from heart to heart this afternoon, O God, Father God, this testimonies, O God, of that power in our lives, O God. But, O Lord, so many times, O God, 
Father God, when spiritual amnesia steps in, oh God. Father God, we forget, oh God. Father God, of what you have done, oh God. Father God, we forget of that power, oh Lord. But, oh God, this morning, oh God, you came again, oh Lord. Father God, you knew that we had to be here, oh God. Father God, so that you can just shake us a bit, oh God. Father, so that you can just awaken us again, oh Lord. And remind us, oh God. Father God, that by prayer, Father God, there is so much that is untapped, oh God. Father God, because, oh Lord, of our amnesia, oh God. Father God, we come short, oh Lord. Father God, you reminded us again, oh Lord, Father. Father God, that we have that power, oh Lord. Father God, that we just need to take you at your word this morning, oh Lord. Father God, and let you operate, oh God. Father God, we are, Father God, too much. Father God, too often guilty, oh God, of trying to steer the ship, oh God. But, oh God, this afternoon, oh God, Father. Father God, we come, oh Lord, and we surrender, oh Lord. And we give it over to thee, oh God. Father God, we come, oh Lord, this afternoon, oh God, and we say, oh Lord, Father. Father God, here is the keys, oh God. Take control, oh God, Father. Father God, you had a plan before the foundation of the world, oh God. Father God, and your plan is still at work, oh Lord. Father God, we pray now, Lord, Father. Come and have preeminence in our lives, oh God. Father God, come and take over, oh Lord. Father God, so that, oh Lord, Father, we can see, oh God, those resources, oh God, be fulfilled, oh God. Father God, we come because, oh Lord, you are not a resource to us today, oh Lord, but you are the source, oh God. And we come, O oh Lord, Father, and we say, O oh Lord, Father, come, O oh Lord, Father, and allow us to have that partnership with you again, O oh Lord, Father. Come, O oh Lord, Father, and take our hand, O oh God, and walk with us, O oh God. Father God, that woman with a blood issue, O oh God. Father God, she had exhausted all her resources, O oh God, up until she got to the source, O oh God. And this, morning, this afternoon, O oh God, we stretch out, O oh God, and we touch that source, O oh God, Father. We say, O oh God, Father, may our spirit, O oh God, touch that source this afternoon, O oh God. And Father God, may we step in, Father God, into this week, O oh God. Father God, knowing, O oh God, that we are the enforcers of the devil's defeat. Knowing, O oh God, that we will enforce our victory, O oh God, because you gave it already, O oh God. We thank you now, Lord. We thank you for our pastor, O oh God, that stood in the gap, O oh God. Father God, we pray, O oh Lord, Father, may you restore the virtue that has left him, O oh God. Father God, it is not easy to stand up here, O oh God, and be used, O oh God. Therefore, we pray, O oh God, that you'd bless him and his family today, O oh God. Father, each and every believer, as we leave now, O oh Lord, Father, may we take what was said today, O oh God, Father, and may we apply it, O oh God, and may we come back next week, O oh God, with testimonies, O oh God. We pray it in Jesus' mighty name now. Amen. Hallelujah. We have now come to the end of our service. We just thank the Lord for this wonderful opportunity in His presence. Travel safe and have a blessed week. May the good Lord bless and keep you. Hallelujah. As we sing this song, you'll be dismissed. Yeah.
Thank you. 